On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space. You want to research the doctor's like certifications. Lady, do your thorough research. Don't just go to one person's page. Like really do your research, make phone calls, schedule consultations, go and get in the weeds with it, right? And also if you can hear testimonials from people who have used that same doctor, that will be helpful as well. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Our quote of the day. Self-love is about making choices that honor your body and mind. For me, Surgery was one of those choices. Now, T. This is an anonymous quote that was put out there. Mm-hmm. However, I would say that, and I, I won't speak for you, but I would say that for me, like that quote resonates and it makes sense that surgery was a decision that I've made a couple of times in life. And for me, it really was what, in my view, an act of self-love, honoring what I needed to do, what I believed was right for my body. Mm -hmm. What about for you? Okay. Well, first, let me just say, I love the quote. I think that with us having a platform, with women that tune in, in this world where we see lots of botched surgeries and we see a lot of people who are going overboard. I'm a, it feels a little like, ooh, I feel a little apprehensive about the subject, but I think it's also really important for us to talk about. And with my surgeries, I think yours were, I think you had a different type of surgery than I did, Dom, as far as the category, I guess you could call mm-hmm. it, but my surgeries were elective and cosmetic. And we'll dive into that in, in a little bit, lady. But while I love the quote, Lady, I want you to listen until the end because Dom and I, Dom and I have so much to share about this topic and I don't want this to get misconstrued or anyone to think that we're saying to just go out and get that $2,000 surgery that's probably not going to be the best option. You know what I mean? Like I, right, I feel like everything right. is, I feel like within the context of this conversation, yes to this quote. And then also I'm always like, wait, how is our audience? How are the young women going to take this? So lady, this is our, th- these are our experiences that we're going to share. Dom, I think this surgery is such a personal decision. It's such it an is. intimate decision. It's often mm-hmm. intrusive, right? Because they're cutting you open. It's often very intrusive. And I think that there is significant preparation and decision-making that goes into play or that should you know, go into play when you're thinking about having any type of surgery. And so, lady, our aim with this episode is to provide valuable insights for you if you're considering surgery, whether it's 
a medical necessity or it's an elective procedure. We just want to share our experiences with you and hopefully it'll be helpful for you. So I hope that answers the question, Dom. Also, I want to say we have a juicy after show. Okay. In the after show, we're going to talk about some red flags to look for when it comes to a surgeon or an aftercare nurse. We're going to talk about some misconceptions or myths about surgery in general. We also have a podcast episode with a black plastic surgeon from Atlanta that we did years ago. So go check that out as well. But lady, let's jump into the decision to undergo surgery. So the first thing that I do want to point out is going back to what you said about whether it's something that's elective or a medical necessity. And also recognizing that most of us at some point in life will undergo some type of surgery or significant medical procedure, right? And so while the overall category that we're focused on is surgery, I also want to note that some of these same talking points that we will provide you, some of these questions that we will raise are applicable to any significant medical procedure. Mm -hmm. Like I think about having my wisdom teeth pulled. Right. Girl, yes. Like, I forgot about that one. Okay. Right. So, and yeah. I think that's the thing is that sometimes there are how people perceive surgery can vary. Yes. Right. So, technically, having your wisdom teeth pulled and you're going under anesthesia, like mm-hmm. that is a significant medical procedure that you are having performed. Yeah. And I don't, I can't speak for other people, but when I had my wisdom teeth pulled, one, I had all four mine pulled at one time. Oh, Lord. That was my decision because I was like, well, if we're going to do this, let's do this once and get them all done. Okay. Get it all done. Get it all (laughs) done. And recognizing that because I was under anesthesia, I was not able to drive myself home after the procedure. And so, I needed assistance. So that, so something as seemingly benign as having your wisdom teeth pulled still requires some of these decision Mm. points and questions that we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. I would agree with that, Dom, spot on. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I totally forgot. I'm like, oh, I have more surgeries than I thought. So Dom, do you want to talk about... Do you want to talk about which surgery each of us are going to talk about today as like to sort of frame the conversation? And then should we jump into the decision to undergo surgery and like what prompted us to make the decision? Yeah. You want to go for it? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, oftentimes people do not like to talk about gynecological issues. Now, on this podcast, we have been very upfront about talking about fibroids and bringing on gynecologists. We've, Terry, you've talked about giving birth, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And so we, we talk, we talked about STIs. Like we talk about gynecological issues on this podcast mm-hmm. because I think that it's a conversation that is so important that people tend to shy away from, right? So I have been very open with people in my life that I want that I was going to undergo a hysterectomy. And my decision 
Go ahead. Real quick, I was going to say, what does that mean for people who are not familiar? So a hysterectomy is when you have part or all of your uterus removed, meaning then that you no longer are able to have children. Do you still have periods? No. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm listening. And so, but also within that, I also had an umbilical hernia, Mm -hmm. meaning that I had a space, a gap um, right behind my belly button where my abs have kind of split open. And so I had to get that repaired as well. So I had both of those procedures done at the same time. And then several years ago, I also, and let me be clear, I had the hysterectomy because of the significant amount of fibroids that I had in my uterus. And then several years ago, I underwent a myomectomy to have fibroids removed. Myomectomy is when they do what most people would, what most people would call a C-section in your abdomen to remove fibroids. And so I've had those different procedures and that's, that would be my frame of reference as we go through this discussion today. Hey lady, it's Terry here. Dom and I want to take a moment to thank you for choosing to listen to our podcast. We love you for real and we want to give you a chance to learn more about what's important to us. So tell us what you think about this. Imagine a world where you have a chance to get featured on the Cultivating Her Space podcast and share your business brand, or perspective with millions around the globe. Imagine joining our monthly virtual video check-ins where you can connect with like-minded Black women like you and share your ideas and episode suggestions with Terry and I. Now I want you to imagine a world where you're in the exclusive Cultivating Her Space Sanctuary Slack channel and throughout your day and week, you are conversing with us about what's happening in your life and sharing funny gifts and your personal wins. How does that sound? Hopefully this is up your alley, lady, because we are taking things to the next level this year and we're doubling down on investing in our community. That means you. Yay! We want to meet you, connect with you, and create communities of genuine women who love on Black women and push our culture and movement forward. We launched this podcast in 2019, and to date, we have not missed a week. We've been great stewards of our platform, all while working full-time and navigating our own ups and downs. We release fresh new content every single Friday, like clockwork, and we have hundreds of valuable episodes and workshops that can really help you up-level your life. So if you love our mission or you've gotten value from us, we invite you to give back and help us push this community effort forward. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click Patreon. You can learn more about our goals and exclusive offerings on Patreon. And we highly, highly encourage you to join the Sister Frontier so that you can get some one-on-one time with us. We also have an option for you to donate on a one-time basis if that meets your needs. Again, herspacepodcast.com and you can click that link that says Patreon. All right, lady. We'll hop right back into the conversation. What about you, T? Yes, I love that, Dom. So I will say, I feel like now that you've mentioned wisdom teeth, I've had other surgeries, but the surgeries that we'll focus on for the purpose of this conversation, one would be my, so years ago, I would say maybe at this point, six or so years ago, I had a hair transplant. And so this was a very 
intense, intrusive surgery. But basically, for you know, ever since I was a teenager, I used to have really cute edges. They were all laid and nice little baby's hair, baby hairs. And then I started doing my own hair on my own, and my sister would do my hair like almost every week. And so my edges were just almost non-existent. Like my forehead was back a lot farther because I just did not have any edges, and I was very insecure with wearing different styles. It just didn't look right. And I was on stage a lot more because I was in my speaking career and traveling. And so I wanted to do something about my edges for so long. And so I decided to get the hair transplant where they basically cut the back. I have a, a an incision, I guess, horizontal incision in the back of my head. They take some of the hair follicles, they shave the front of my head and they place them there. It was very intense, but it was one of the best decisions ever. So did that a couple of years ago. And then I would say about a year or so ago, I had a breast lift after 15 months of breastfeeding. Oh, Lord. And then I had, as well, Dom, an umbilical hernia repair because I too had a hernia. So those are the surgeries that I'll be talking about as far as this conversation goes. And I want to dive into the decision, Dom. This, the reason I did the hair transplant, I talked about my insecurity. And it was it was something that you know, it's again, it's a very personal decision. And I think for me, there's always, when it comes to especially a cosmetic surgery, there's the fear of like shame, judgment, the perception of other people. But I clearly, I guess, didn't struggle with that because I did a whole YouTube series and like was very graphic about my hair transplant because I knew that other Black women especially had the same struggles. And what I found out is that when I did publish that video, it went up and a lot of people tuned in and they emailed me about it. So I I share my story as a way to just help others and give them a resource. I'm like, girl, if you're struggling with this, I got you. I'm going to share the experience, what I went through, post-op, all that. So that really helped boost my confidence and for something that I struggled with since I was a teenager. As far as the breasts, I pretty much always been pretty comfortable with my breasts. I had small breasts. And when I got pregnant, my titties was big. I mean, they they were bigger than... They were big. I had some friends who had kids and they were like, girl, my, titty, my, my breasts did not get that big. My breasts got so big and I liked them. They were juicy and they were big. And I was like, this is what it's like to have some titties and some cleavage. I loved it. <laughs> and then I breastfed my daughter for 15 months. I did my service to society and the world and my baby, which I'm so happy about. And I was very insecure with how my breasts looked after. They were, lady, this is no judging to anyone who may be in this phase in life. This is just my unique journey. But as you know, when you breastfeed for a long time, sometimes they can become deflated. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't have the cleavage anymore. They were just very, I just didn't like the way that I looked naked. I usually like even TMI, but with sex, like I usually am comfortable being naked. I felt like I wanted to put my bra on and I didn't like the Mm -hmm. way I felt in my body. And so I decided to get a breast lift and augmentation. And it was a really great decision. I grappled with the decision. I was like, do I want to talk about this? Even when we talked about this conversation, Dom, like, do I feel comfortable revealing this to the yeah. world? You can probably see my pictures and you can tell like, oh, she got some plump breasts. So you can probably see, but I wanted to share because I think it's important to talk about the, you know, the process and how we can make informed decisions. And so that was also, that also stemmed from an insecurity, but there are other things I think that are important for us to talk about as it relates to insecurities. Cause I don't think that surgery is always the answer. So we'll talk through right. how we got to our, our decisions, but yes, I think that covers my decision-making Dom. What about your decision? Because Dom, I'm curious as a woman, you've talked about not wanting to have children. And so that's, mm-hmm. I mean, you talked about that on the podcast, but I'm just so curious. Like, what was that like for you as a woman to make that decision of having a hysterectomy? Well, for me, it was, I, and because I knew that I didn't want 
to have children. And I knew also that the fibroids would continue. So I could have had an, I could have had a second myomectomy and had the fibroids removed a second time, but I knew that they were going to come back. (laughs) And so for me, the question became, well, do I want to then undergo a third surgery or maybe a fourth surgery? Knowing that I don't want to have children, for me, it made sense in my life to have the hysterectomy. And so I think also it's a personal choice, right? Like I remember when I had the first myomectomy, you know, hysterectomy was an option then. It was not an option. It was an option. Oh, okay. It it was it was on the table at that time. Gotcha. Yeah. But I also remember, even though at that time I was clear that I didn't want children, mm-hmm. I was also in my mid-30s. And I knew that even though I didn't want children, there was still a part of me that was not a hundred percent certain. Mm-hmm. That I wouldn't change my mind oh. on wanting kids. Okay. Like, it's about 90 to 95% certain that sure. I didn't want kids. Right. Sure. And so I knew at that time with the first procedure that I, if I was going to have the hysterectomy, I needed to be 100% certain yeah. that I was, I didn't want children, that I didn't yeah. want to birth children. Mm-hmm. And, and so this time around, I was a hundred percent certain. Yeah. Good for you. And, and went ahead with that decision. What yeah. I'm also aware of though, is that in, within the medical community and then just people in life in general, everyone is going to have their opinions. Right. Mm-hmm. So there were folks who were saying, well, why have a hysterectomy? You know, you're, this is a part, your uterus is a part of what makes you a woman. And do yep. you, are you sure you want to pull that away? Well, <laughs> you were not living in, like, to me, it's, yes. this is my own body. Exactly. And I know that, like, for me also, my experience could have been a lot worse. Like I knew mm-hmm. of a lot of women who their menstrual cycles are far more painful and intense than mine, mine was. Right. And, but I also know that I was taking a birth control pill that helped reduce a lot of, gotcha. a lot of those symptoms. And so, you know, recognizing that this decision is for you. Like, I also had doctors that were saying, you're young. Thanks, y'all. Courtney, hey, still okay. young. Thank hey, you. You, know, you looking good, too, that, girl. You, know. you look good. <laughs> and, like, the contradictory message of, yeah. you're young, you're still young, for a hysterectomy, but if you were to get pregnant, you it would be a geriatric pregnancy. Come on, come so on. So those contradictions to me within the medical community are problematic. Yes. 
Yes. Conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. But for me, I knew that this was the decision that I needed to make for me. I am yeah. also fully aware that I am in a position of privilege to make that decision in consultation with my doctors. For sure. And that my doctors, like, we had extensive conversations before I went through that procedure. And this kind of gets to the piece about, like, our next point of the importance of, like, making an informed decision. For sure. We had extensive conversations over the course of more than a year with my doctors about making this particular decision because it is not one that can be taken lightly. Yeah. And we also know the history of the medical community performing procedures, particularly hysterectomies, Mm -hmm. on Black women without their consent. Lord. So I also had all of that sitting in my mind as I was making that decision. Mm -hmm. I'm also aware that there are lots of women who have to have a hysterectomy and don't want to. Yeah. There are lots of women who have a hysterectomy who have to grieve not being able to have children because it was something that they wanted. That was not my experience. And so I do want to acknowledge, though, that that is the experience for a lot of women. Those are such great points that you made, Dom. And as we kind of transition into the importance of making an informed decision, I just also want to emphasize that, again, we're going to reemphasize that this is such a personal decision Lady, if you are in a relationship with someone or in communication with someone and they are encouraging you to get surgery or they're deterring you from getting a surgery that you really want to get, you should really try to silence the the voices of others because at the end of the day, you have to live with this body, right? If you have a partner that's that's equating your worth to a certain type of feature, they're like, oh, you need to get a bigger ass or you need to get some titties, girl... You may need to, you may need to step away from that relationship. This is such a personal decision. It's up to you. Like I know a young girl, Dom, who was talking about getting a breast augmentation and her mom was giving her this, like ne- all the, sending her all the negative articles. And I was just like, if she's in, she's a grown woman. She's 21. But if she wants to do that, that's her decision. You know, I think right. opening the door and being curious is helpful, but just really protect your peace and your energy. When mm-hmm. I made my decision to get my surgery, I talked to a very small group of people. I had support from my small community in my circle because I didn't want none of that negativity in my life. And I had the most beautiful experience. I did have an infection with my belly button that was really scary and annoying, but it turned out great. But my experience overall was amazing, you know, and it was because Mm -hmm. of uh, the safe container that I stored this experience. And so really protect your energy when you're making that decision. And when it comes to the informed decision, Dom, we hear a lot about people trying to get the go the cheap route and just get a cheap surgery because they want it. And, you know, ugh, do your research. That's sad. It's so yeah. sad. You know, I because I also argue that I'm in a position of privilege. For sure. Yeah. That Both I have, as much as I complain about my insurance <laughs> provider who shall remain yes. nameless. Yes, child. I am also in a privileged position that I do have an insurance provider that 
certain costs associated with these surgeries are taken care of. That I, you know, I do acknowledge that that is a privilege, that there are a lot of folks who are in serious medical debt. Medical debt is the biggest debt that a lot of folks have in this country. Wow. And because I'm not facing medical debt, because of the surgeries that I've had. And so I yeah. acknowledge that I'm in a position of privilege and that there are a lot of folks who need to have medical procedures done that they can't afford. They can't afford it. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Tom. I appreciate you sharing that. And I think that, you know, even with me, because they were cosmetic procedures, I had to pay out of pocket, but it was still a privilege to be able to choose the top doctor. You know, and when it comes to the research, lady, let me tell you, I was on YouTube looking at testimonials, watching other people's recovery journeys, looking at the comments. You can join different surgery groups as well. And I think one of the other pieces of making an informed decision, this is going to sound a bit counterintuitive, but I, as I was gearing up for the surgery, I began to really go hard in the gym because I wanted to fall in love with my body. I wanted to be the healthiest person I could be, but I also wanted to get my body to a place and get my mind and mental to a place where I'm like, you know what? I love myself. So if I, let's say I changed my mind. I wanted to get the surgery. Like I remember looking in the mirror, like on a consistent basis, like, wow, my body looks so amazing. And it, I, I love that body for what it allowed me to do, how it served me during my pregnancy, how it served me with breastfeeding. And I knew that I had this insecurity and I didn't see me getting my breasts done as the ticket to me just being happy with myself you know, and not having, not being happy with myself, but solving all of my insecurities and just being the, you know, ticket to pure bliss and happiness. Because what I realized is that there's always going to be something. Go ahead, Doug. I got two <laughs> questions as you're yes. saying that, okay. right? So the first question, because, okay, first question is, how did working out aid in your recovery because that's something that I did with both of my surgeries leading up oh. to my surgeries like I went hard yeah. in working out so how did working out physically help you in your recovery well I would say one of the things I believe my doctor said is at a certain point in the journey don't do any new like don't do no new shit so don't start working out like right before surgery and then fall off try to be as consistent as possible so for me I think working out was great for my mental health it made me feel strong. It made me feel, it just made me feel great. I also worked on building up my core so that after mm -hmm. the umbilical hernia repair, I yes. can just have a solid core before the surgery, you know? So okay. I think that it just helped with my mental. It helped with my physical strength. It helped me during those tough days with recovery while I was like, Lord, this is tough. Like I'm strong. I got this. And it also gave me the push and the momentum to continue my workouts after. Because some people, they'll go get the BBL. They'll go get the surgeries, right? And then they weren't working out before. And so you don't have a lifestyle change as far as your mindset. You're just like, oh, I hopped on the table. I'm, I'm slim now. And then they end up having to get surgery again or they end up gaining the weight back. So for me, it was a matter of getting in the gym because I wanted to have a healthy lifestyle in general so that when mm -hmm. I you know, recovered from my breast being done, I took a small break after I got my breast done. And then I was back in the gym and I, I was slow and I built up to back, you know, back to where I was but it just helped me get back into that lifestyle of working out and being healthy. What about for you? I would say similarly, I think, yeah. you know, with my first surgery, I knew 
I had plenty of time. I had months in advance to prepare. So mm-hmm. again, leading up to that decision, making that decision, that decision is not made, was not, or at least on my part, was not made lightly. And yeah. so I had months to physically prepare my body for the surgery. And so I went hard in the gym months ahead of time. Yes. So that it would, so that my body would be ready and my recovery went so much smoother. Right. Because I had been working out and taking care of my physical body ahead of time. Mm-hmm. For this most recent procedure, I, I'll be honest, I had not been consistent with working out. Like I didn't, I wasn't going as hard as I was uh, for the first surgery, but I had been working out in like the month or so leading up to it. And at the time, I didn't have a date set, but in the month or so leading up to it, I had made the decision that I was going to get more consistent with working mm-hmm. out. and. Things work out how they're supposed to. And yes. so when I was notified about the date of the procedure, by that point, it had been at least a month since I had been consistently building up my workout routine. And yes. so that helped so much in the recovery process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm still recovering because it takes your body after procedures like that. It's not, you know, they say, okay, you can return to work after four to six weeks, but like your body can't go back to immediately go back to what you were right before the surgery, what you were doing right before the surgery. So I'm still in that, technically, I'm still in that recovery phase because Mm -hmm. I'm slowly building back up to, to where I was. But I think my recovery would have been in both in both instances would have been so different had I not been working out. And then also for me with the umbilical hernia, I'm also doing physical therapy mm-hmm. as part of the recovery. And so to help build the core, my core yeah. back up. And so because for those who aren't aware, like umbilical hernia, a lot of times it's your core is an issue with your core. And so it's helping to, I'm in physical therapy to help with that. The second question that I had, in terms of your decision-making, did you consider therapy? Did you do therapy or anything like that as you were preparing for these procedures? Good question. I did. I did talk about these things in therapy. And I think it kind of, it makes me go back to the quote of, I forgot the I forgot the um what's the prayer? What's that prayer, y'all? Oh, uh, the God serenity grant prayer. me the serenity mm-hmm. to accept the things like so I thought about, okay, is this something that like I, I had to have real conversations with myself? Like, is this something that I'm willing to accept and embrace and just this is this is a part of who I am, this is the new me and accept it. And I feel like when I asked myself that question, it was something that I wasn't in, like I didn't want to, I didn't want to just accept it. I wanted to do something about it. And in fairness, I will say there are other parts of my body and parts of myself that I've had insecurities about from when I was younger that I've come to peace with. And I'm at, you know, I've had the closure. Mm-hmm. I'm like, baby, we're going to accept this. Like, we're going to, we're going to keep this. We're going to love on it. And we're going to, you know, have our own like internal marketing campaign 
And we'll talk about what that looks like later, lady. And we're going to just love this part of myself. But that was one thing. And I think the thing about it too, Dom, for me was that I wasn't born that way. And so because I had made this big sacrifice, right? You know, what your body goes through as a mom, yes, we do it as moms, but it's a sacrifice. And the breastfeeding journey, I was like, you know what? I feel like I deserve this. Like I deserve to be able to feel happier in my body because I was pretty happy with my body before pregnancy. And now that it changed so much, I wanted to do that for myself. But again, it was my personal decision. There are some women who are like, you know what? I'm going to accept this new post-mommy body or this post-pregnancy body. And it is what it is. And that's okay too, right? Yes. So I think that's a great question, Dom. One other thing I wanted to add to this part of the conversation is you want to research the doctor's like certifications. Lady, do your thorough research. Don't just go to one person's page. Like really do your research, make phone calls, schedule consultations, go and get in the weeds with it, right? And also if you can hear testimonials from people who've used that same doctor, that will be helpful as well. And the other thing, Dom, is like trust your intuition. Because I was looking for, we'll talk about this as we talk about preparing for surgery in a bit, but I remember looking for an aftercare nurse because I wanted to, because I have a little one and I stopped breastfeeding, I wanted to make sure that my husband and my daughter could like keep their same routine. And I had support where they wouldn't have to update their schedule because I didn't want to take her out of school and, you know, disrupt the, the routine. So I was looking for an aftercare nurse and girl, there was this facility that had amazing reviews, but I called. I don't know if I told you this time. I called the place up and I was calling to just ask simple questions. And the lady on the phone had a funky ass attitude. And in uh-huh. that moment, I was like, damn, I was so pissed because I was like, I want to give y'all my money. I don't want right. y'all to take care of me. But girl, I couldn't do it because my gut was like, uh-uh. It was so bad mm-hmm. to the point that when I called, she was so stinking nasty. I don't really write bad reviews. I actually emailed them and said, hey, I wanted to let you know I was ready to give y'all my thousands of dollars for this aftercare package and this person answered the phone and gave a ter- it was a terrible experience and so they ended up emailing me back but I was like I can't work with them now because my gut right. it didn't sit right in my spirit to work with someone like that so lady go with your gut trust your intuition it's really important yes I, I wholeheartedly agree with that I would say you know for me personally I have always been an advocate of my gynecologist needs to be a black woman and that's okay. what I and I drive to make sure I drive a distance to because they don't have one in my area. Mm-hmm. I, I make that drive to make sure that I have the doctors that I want. And when it came to having this most recent procedure, I made sure like, okay, oh, you're not available on that day, but you're going to give me someone else. Nonsense. And, we're going to make the date work where you're available because I want you, you're exactly. who I trust. Oh, schedule is going to work to fit you, ma'am. <laughs> because okay. I don't trust just anybody. And if we built this relationship and I trust you, then you're going to be the one to perform okay. this procedure. Yeah, sis, we need you on the clock. Come, yes. come take care mm-hmm. of me. Girl, I'm I, on I check-in, love Doc. Come on. That's a really good point, Dom. And I, I love that you had the ability to do that because you want to be comfortable with the person who's going to be operating on your body as well, you know? And so I think about my doctor who was so amazing. We had, it was a white doctor, but he is like the man, he is like specializes in natural breast augmentations mm-hmm. and lifts. And so he, I had several consultations with other people. I had a consultation down with a doctor that was literally right up the street from my house. I could have had the surgery like super close to home 
But I just, it wasn't the vibe, you know, it just, it wasn't right. vibing. The vibe wasn't vibing. So when it comes to preparing for the surgery, we kind of talked about the financial aspect. I don't think there's much else to cover there, Dom, unless you have something else. What I would say is definitely like, and just make sure that you are aware of the cause going into it. Mm-hmm. That So if your insurance is not going to cover the procedure, so like I remember going back to my wisdom team, my insurance at the time, and I was in graduate school when this happened, so my insurance yeah. was probably shit. But <laughs> I remember having to come out of pocket with more than I anticipated to cover mm. the cost of my wisdom teeth removal, right? Yeah. You don't want to get hit with surprises. No. So be aware of what the costs are. And if that means that if you are able to, because I think the thing also in your decision making is, is this a procedure? How urgent or time sensitive is this procedure? If it's something that is not causing immediate harm or danger to you, can this wait? Mm-hmm. Right. So that if it's if you've got to pay for it out of pocket, can you budget? Does your job offer a flex spending or health savings account? Yep. So that you can cover costs. This would be your pre-tax earnings. And and so talking to, you know, depending on the job situation you have, talking to your HR, because if you're having to take leave, what does that really look like in terms of time off and work? Yes. Talking to your insurance provider to figure out what exactly is this going to cost you? Yeah. What are the what are your out-of-pocket expenses? What are the potential unforeseen expenses that may come up along the way? Mm-hmm. You want to be thorough in your planning. Yes. And if this is something that is a medical emergency and immediate necessity, don't put it off because of costs. Mm-hmm. Talk with the hospital, talk with your doctor, talk with your insurance about what are, talk with social services in your area about what are potential options to cover these costs for you. Amen to that. That's all good. Thank you for adding that down. That's super, super important. It also makes me think about medications, aftercare. Yes. Oh my gosh, my mm-hmm. aftercare, that week of aftercare, because I did went to LA, that week of aftercare was, it was a little pricey, but it was something I, I was aware of you know, beforehand, Going into medications, it, mm-hmm. if you're getting like post-op massages, right, that are typically recommended for certain procedures, you think about post-op massages, you think about physical therapy, all those things. So just mm-hmm. kind of take a look at everything from a high level. Don't rush it. There's no rush at all. And you can do a lot of preparation in the midst of you gearing up for the journey. And speaking of preparation, we'll talk a bit about preparing for the surgery. So my doctor was very very organized when it came to the pre-op instructions and baby, when I tell you, I follow everything to the T, all the medications. He's also like a, he, he tends to sort of err on the side of, I want to say homeopathic remedies mm-hmm. versus using Western mm-hmm. medicine. So CBD oil, he recommended, he recommended amazing other products that help with, you know, healing. I literally have an Asana project where I put down when I need to take all the medication, what I need to be doing 
think it was like six weeks before the surgery and after. So all of that stuff, write it down, share it with someone who's going to be taking care of you, all that good stuff. But the other thing I'm going to talk about too, Dom, is the mental work. I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of mental work that should be talked about more when it comes to surgery. We talked about manifestation. We've talked about visualization on the podcast. I did all of that for the surgery. Manifested. I remember like literally the week before it was so intense. Every night before bed, I would visualize my desired outcome. I would manifest. I would pray. I would ask the ancestors and my guides and spirit to be with me and, you know, make sure everything worked out well. I wanted to make sure I was healthy and okay to come back home to my little one and my my family. So that was all important. But I also talked about earlier down a marketing campaign or like mirror mm-hmm. work. And for me, what that meant was as counterintuitive as it sounds, as you're like gearing up to change your body, you're falling in love with the current body. It was important for me to love my body even more in the state that it was in. I, th- I just thought that it was the healthiest thing I could do for myself, but also setting realistic expectations. Yeah. Typically when you have surgery, it's not going to be perfect, right? It's not, it's not, a, it's, it's science, right? It's not going to be this mm-hmm. perfect experience. Yes, you may like your body, but for instance, I'll give you an example. I have always had one breast that's bigger than the other. And I know that that's the case for many women, but mine yep. was like pretty significant. Like you could literally look and I could always tell. I felt like one was a cup size bigger. After surgery, I felt like God was kind of like testing me because I looked in the mirror and I was like, how is one, how are, how is one still bigger than the other? How is one still bigger than the other? I just, it was so mind boggling. So I was like, I thought that they were evened out with the, you know, the CCs they Mm -hmm. put in, but no. So I kind of laughed about it. And that's one thing that I'm like, okay, I'm embracing my, I wouldn't say lopsided, but I'm embracing the size of how my breasts are and how one is still bigger than the other. I'm embracing that even after the fact. I'm not going to obsess over it and try to make it perfect. You know, in 10 years when I go to get them redone, maybe I'll see if they can make that that one that's smaller a little bit, you know, more in line with the other one. But I'm not going to go back under just because it's not perfect. So for me, it's like setting realistic expectations and embracing the things that that are imperfect. I have a scar down the line of my breast because I needed to have a lift as well because my breast, uh, my nipple kind of like shifted, I guess, with mm-hmm. breastfeeding and the positioning yep. of it. And so before the surgery, I drew a line down my natural breast uh, with my eyeliner, my brown eyeliner pencil to, <laughs> to like visualize, okay, this is what it's going to look like after. Am I okay with that? How do I feel about it? And embracing that. So I think sometimes surgery can present new insecurities for you mm-hmm. and new things that you have to cope with and just being aware of that and doing the mental work in the mirror, looking at your body, loving yep. your body. And yep. that's what I say by marketing campaign. We are so oftentimes, we are we have these images of certain body types projected onto us all the time, whether you want to or not. And so it may, you know, you may be on social media and you may be like, damn, I feel like I need a BBL because I see everyone else with these small ass waists and these big old hips and booties. And maybe that's where it's, it's ministering to our spirits. And so that's what you think you need when in our, in all actuality, that's a marketing campaign. We've been, mm-hmm. we've been, these BBLs have been marketed to us and not to judge lady, if you've decided to get one, but that body type has been marketed to us constantly that I think we need to do a reverse marketing campaign with ourselves. So taking pictures of yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror and loving your unique body. I think that that's a very valid point is like loving your unique body and how it is showing up for you. And I do have a follow-up question. So Mm -hmm. what did you, what was the mirror work that you did when you had your hair transplanted? 
to be honest on that was so, I feel like I'd have to really think about that to see because it was so long. It was, I think six or maybe five to seven years ago. I'd have to think about it. But yeah, I can't even, I can't even call it. Maybe in the after show it'll pop up, but I can't even think of it. I honestly don't, I don't even know if that was language that I was using back then. I don't Thank even know. You. That could, okay. yeah, that could have been a new thing for me as I've learned and evolved mm-hmm. and grown and gotten to this place in my journey. I don't even know if that was something that, that was on my radar back then, but I still would have gotten and it done. That, yeah. That's <laughs> the thing. Yes. That's the thing that I wanted to acknowledge is that lady, mm-hmm. as you're listening, because we've pointed it out, now it's on your radar, right? Mm-hmm. But there's always room for learning and growth. And so there may yeah. be something that you think about after your procedure, right? Mm-hmm. That you realize, oh, this would have been helpful had I did this. Yes. Or there may be things that you've done that to help you in preparation that you aren't even aware was actually like you were just doing it, right? Yeah. And you weren't even aware of how helpful and beneficial it actually it actually was. That's a good point, Dom. I will say you you brought this up before. When I had my unmedicated, like natural home birth, right? The same process mm-hmm. I went to, I went through preparing for my birth is what I went through for preparing for my my surgery as well. Mm-hmm. So that same like manifestation, visualization, keeping a tight circle and keeping my, you know, my energy in a certain space, those were all the things I did, following instructions, breath work, all that stuff yep. is what I did to prepare for that as well. So anything else that we should cover about prepping for surgery? Or should we talk about our support systems and recovery? The other thing that I would say is, you know, I just can't emphasize enough what you pointed out earlier about the pre-op appointment with your provider mm-hmm. and being fully aware of all the things that you need to do and doing them. Yes, because girl. you're and and not being afraid to ask questions. Yes. Like I for my pre-op appointment, I had questions in my phone. I had a note in my phone. There you with go. A bunch of questions that I wanted to ask. I talked with other folks who had had similar, had had hysterectomies before. And so we had a list of questions to ask. Yeah. And even it, as she's answering those questions, more questions came up. And I can't emphasize enough that no question is too silly to ask. Yes. Yes. When it comes to your health and your body. No question is too silly or too personal. Because at this point, if you are letting them operate on your body, then you need to ask all the questions and they need to be able to answer them. Yes. Right? Like my doctor and I had a conversation about food and I got specific because I'm like, well, if I'm going to be sitting here and I have, I'm going to have other people preparing food for me, mm-hmm. I know myself and yes. I know that I'm going to want to, if I'm going to eat, it needs to be something that I'm going to enjoy. Yeah. So you're telling me that there's going to be certain restrictions. Well, let's get real specific on these restrictions because we need to Let know. me know. Let me know. I'm Keep trying it real. Because <laughs> right? I got to eat. eat. I like to eat. Okay. Those are good, Dom. I think that, that I think that's good for preparation. I think we've covered a lot of good stuff there as far as the support systems and recovery plan. We, I feel like we covered a little bit of this before too. It's like... Protecting your circle, making sure that you have the support, whether it's a paid support system or you have friends and family that are going to 
that are going to be supporting, ensuring that everyone knows their role and like communicating how you want to be supported as well. I think that's yes. also really helpful. Don, we were in communication when I was, you know, in my recovery and you were super supportive with that. And I had some friends like mail me packages. I had other mm-hmm. friends that, you know, were just checking up on me. Um, and so, yeah, just knowing everyone's role. I think that is key, right? Is know, knowing everyone's role and not just you knowing everyone's role, them knowing their role as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, for me, I, each of my procedures, I had a, a different sister that was there at the hospital with me and they knew like, okay, so if X, Y, Z happens, this is what you need to, this is what you need to do. Right. Particularly when I'm going to be under anesthesia and can't answer and can't speak for myself, can't advocate for myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and are you comfortable having the conversation with the doctor to make these decisions? Because it's going to be difficult in the moment. Yeah. But I need to know that you can do this, right? And certain certain insurance companies, certain healthcare providers have what they would call like a personal action plan or, mm-hmm. you know, and different different folks may label it differently, but essentially... If something were to happen to you while you're in surgery, what's the plan? Mm-hmm. Do you have a do not resuscitate order? Like, what who is in charge of making the life, literally life or death decisions for you? Yeah. That is so important to make sure that you do, you take care of those things mm-hmm. prior to going into your procedure. And also making sure that the person who is assigned to that is comfortable and knows exactly what it is that you want and they're able to to follow through with that. Mm-hmm. I think the other piece of that is also identifying, you know, outside of that, once you're like, once you're home and in recovery, who's showing up for you and, and when and what's the role? Right. And are they able to enforce what needs to be enforced? Right. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I kind of struggled with this second time around, I'm kind of foggy on what how it was the first time around. But this second time around. One of the things that I know I struggled with was literally and I mentioned this at the top of the episode was sitting my ass down mm-hmm. like. Because folks were coming to stay with me to take care of me. I'm used to, if someone's in my house, I'm hosting. So I'm getting up and doing the things to take care of them. Mm -hmm. And in general, I'm used to taking care of other people. So having to do the mental work as well of saying, no, one, sit your ass down, two, (laughs) Let them take care of you. Yes. And for a lot of us, that is hard. When you are used to doing it for yourself or being the person who does it for everybody, like you're the person who does it in your household, Uh sitting back and letting folks 
show up for you and take care of you is difficult. And that takes some mental work. Absolutely. But it's necessary in order for you to recover. Yep. That is so true. We had that in common for sure, Dom. Like many Black women, I'm sure. Like we were the, you know, the caretakers and we're doing so much. I think you hit the nail on the head with the support systems and recovery planning. Lady, another thing to keep in mind is like pain management, you know, making sure you have all prescriptions filled and all that good stuff and everything, jot, you know, notes jotted down on when you need to take which medications. Because I know for our umbilical hernia repair, I believe some of the medications they have you take for surgery cause constipation. So you want to make sure you have everything that you need because that's a whole other Lord. I was so Lord. happy when I, yeah, I was so happy when I finally pooped, but then I was like, okay, this is a little uncomfortable. So just making sure you have what you need for that, making sure and you have your follow up appointments. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my friends and family who <laughs> have to hear about it. <laughs> hey, because I think that was, that was real. And yes, I no. appreciate my friends and family. Okay. I think Terry, what time I texted you? And I, was, I remember saying like, TMI. I think this is TMI, but man. I'm like, I'm a girl with ass TMI. Right. <laughs> Tell me about that shit you just said, girl. I right? to point to. <laughs> but even with pregnancy, girl, I think about the pregnancy constant. Constipation in general is just terrible. It's yes. just awful. So make sure you have all the medications you need, mm-hmm. lady. Eat. Eat healthy too, if you can, like prior to and after. And then make sure you have your follow-up appointments on the calendar. Yeah, You're checking in with that because I did run into an issue that was a little scary where my belly button had some type of infection. And so as soon as I realized that, I texted my nurse and she was like, that's concerning to me. And so I was like, oh, okay, shit. So I called the doctor. They were so responsive. They were texting me, asking for pictures. And so I followed the appropriate steps and they were able to prescribe medication to help me get it back on track and so it's healed now but it took a little bit of time and so I was just yep. on it and it was, it was a little stressful but it's part of the process following up and knowing who you need to reach out to in case of emergencies or in case you do have any side effects or issues yes yes I you know doing the work that's necessary like having surgery undergoing any type of medical procedure mm-hmm. is not to be taken lightly And so I think taking all of the necessary precautions pre-surgery, during surgery, after surgery will help make things go as smoothly as possible. Um, Two quick questions before we jump into the live show. Lady, we're going to dive into, we're going to jump into the live show. So head over to herspacepodcast.com, click on Patreon. We're going to talk about red flags to look for when it comes to your surgeon or your nurse or aftercare support system. We'll also talk about some misconceptions and some other questions that you may want to know. I want to ask you, Dom, if you would do it all over again. Yes. Okay. I would as well. I would definitely do it again. I will say, lady, surgery does not change you. So a lot of times people think, oh, I got this new fill in the blank. Now I'm going to be happier. No. there's all. I feel like, in my opinion, there's always going to be insecurities that we're working through as humans because we're always ever-changing. It doesn't solve you. It's only the physical. We really need to be working on our internal in addition to whatever we do on the physical. So we're going to hop into the after show, lady. Thank you for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California and contemplating starting your therapy journey? 
Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at herspacepodcast.com and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. Every dream within me exists because it's possible.